Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of our genetic vascular disease. And I left off last time uh, beginning to talk about Loewy's D syndrome. And let's get specific in terms of the CT findings. Uh, thoracic aneurysms are really one of the hallmark findings of Loewy's D syndrome. The cause is a loss of elastin content in the aortic media resulting from defect in elastogens. You may also see pulmonary artery enlargement. You can also see coronary artery aneurysms, the less common, PDAs, and other congenital cardiac anomalies. A critical thing that's very unique is arterial tortuosity, and I'll show you that in a moment. In terms of aortic root aneurysms, they're more aggressive than Marfan's and really require careful monitoring. As the leading cause of death in Loewy's Dietz is dissection of the thoracic aorta, and surgery is performed in adults with Loewy's Dietz when the aortic root measures four centimeters. So you're much more aggressive in these patients. You're operating at a much earlier level. For children, because the normal arterial dimensions increase with age, Z-scores are used calculated in a body surface area using a database developed at Boston Children's Hospital. For a young child who has severe cranial facial features, surgery will be performed if the aortic root Z-score is greater than three, indicating that the root dimension exceeds the 99th percentile. And in addition, the annulus must be at least 1.8 centimeters to allow placement of a graft of sufficient caliber to accommodate growth. And here's an example. Look at the size of the patient's aortic root and sinus of Valsalva. If you said Marfan's here, you'd be in the right ballpark. But this is Lois Dietz. And here it is again. The patient also has a mild pectus deformity. Look at the size of the aortic root. Another example. Look at the aortic root in this patient, also pectus deformity, but then look upward and look at the carotid arteries. Look how tortuous they are. And the carotid intracranial vessels are very commonly tortuous, and the tortuosity may indeed be very impressive. The vertebral arteries can also be very tortuous, and these patients may have intracranial aneurysms. And here's just a nice example. I'll show you a few images of this case. Look at the patient's common to internal carotids. Look at the tortuosity. Here it is again with some color mapping. And look at the tortuosity just at and near the bifurcation, also at and near the base of the skull. Look at the sagittal views. Look at that tortuosity. It basically makes a loop-de-loop. I mean, think about, we talk about tortuosity and atherosclerotic disease, but that's irregular, that's with calcification, that's wide loops. Look at this super looping. That's the best way I can describe it. Look how impressive it is. Look at above, look at below. In this case, look at the um, common carotids. Look at the patient's internal carotids. Very, very impressive indeed. And here it is in a sagittal view. So in Loewy's Dietz patients, you really need to scan from the, the skull down, from the base of the skull down through the pelvis at a minimum. And again, very impressive. I can't think of any disease which looks like that. As I mentioned, you also can see in the vertebral, so look very carefully. Here you can see multiple aneurysms in the vertebral arteries, left and right, as well as subclavian artery aneurysms. But look at all of the pathology. So one thing very important that this case illustrates nicely, when you do a Loewy's Dietz patient, you got to keep looking. You may see pathology and satisfaction of search says, I found a bunch of bad stuff, move on. Got to keep looking. Look vessel by vessel. In the abdomen, uh, dilatation of the aorta and branch vessels occur, involving literally all the vessels. You can have large aneurysms, and you also can see tortuosity. You also can see small aneurysm of branch vessels off the MA 
and uh, celiac axis. And here's just a good example. Look at the aneurysmal dilatation of this patient of the SMA. And I'll show it to you in a few different versions. Look how the mid portion of the SMA dilates, as well as some of the branch vessels off the SMA. If you think that's impressive, look at this case. This is the granddaddy of all SMA aneurysms. Look at the size of that aneurysm. It's bigger than the patient's aorta, essentially. And there it is beautifully seen there. Oh yes, and by the way, the patient also has a large aneurysm with a common iliac on the right side. Here's the patient's SMA aneurysm again from a sagittal view with volume rendering and MIP. Or what about this case? Look at the aneurysms here, celiac, SMA, IMA, and small branch vessels. Look how they're saccular aneurysms. Well, look at that SMA a bit closer. Look at that aneurysm, saccular. Uh, the vessel then looks fine beyond the aneurysm. Look at the IMA. Look at the aneurysm coming off a branch vessel off the common iliac. Indeed, very impressive. So multiple vessels, renal artery in this case, for example, very, very impressive. Or this case, this is a Lois Dietz patient. Look at the mesenteric vessels. Look carefully. Look at the multiple small aneurysms that are present. I'll show you a few more views. Watch particularly the SMA and its branches. Look how the further you go, the more aneurysmal dilatation you see. Indeed, multiple mesenteric artery aneurysms are fairly rare. Lois Dietz is one of the common causes, and the other causes are vasculitis and IV drug abuse. So it's surely going to be a different history. There's a lot more I can tell you, but I think in conclusion, uh, for Lois Dietz, early diagnosis is critical to patient survival. Early intervention is critical, as the most features of the most significant features of the syndrome involve vascular pathologies. CTA, particularly with a flash type acquisition, lowering the dose is an excellent non-invasive means for looking at these patients. Now. As for the third part of this lecture, which is Elos Danlos, very interesting disease. Group of clinically and genetically heterogeneous heritable connective tissue disorders. They're characterized by joint hypermobility, skin hyperextensibility, tissue fragility. There's really six forms of Elos Danlos syndrome, and diseases related to each of those will be varying. Now, we talk about vascular elus danlos. That's a specific type. It used to previously be known as type 4, but now it's vascular elus danlos syndrome. It's an autosomal dominant disorder resulting from mutations in the COL3A1 gene encoding for type 3 procollagen synthesis, and that is indeed a mouthful, and I'm sure you're not going to remember that, but remember it's genetic. You can always look it up on Google or look it up on this talk, or look it up on the PowerPoint slides that accompany this talk, or look it up on our Pearl section, or look it up in our journal club. Anyway, clinical diagnosis is made on the basis of at least two of the following four criteria, thin translucent skin, fragility or rupture of the arteries, intestines, and uterus, extensive bruising, and characteristic facial appearance. Excessive tissue fragility predisposes these patients to premature arterial, intestinal, and uterine rupture. More than 80% of patients will have a complication by age 40, and in many cases, the complication is the first sign of disease. The vascular pathologies will indeed vary. They can vary from single or multiple aneurysms to single or multiple dissections to vessel occlusion. So indeed, uh, it's very, very variable. 
In terms of the time course, lesions tend to progress over time, new lesions develop over time, and patients with aneurysms are at risk for complications like rupture and hemoperitoneum. Patients with progression of arterial dissection can result in vascular compromise and infarction. Complications in this article by Zalochi, spontaneous aneurysm rupture, progression of pre-existing aneurysms, development of new aneurysms, and dissections, exactly what we spoke about in a moment. There's a great article coming out, literally, by Linda Chu from Hopkins at about the same time you're going to listen to this talk, the same month, surely, talking about Ehlers-Danlos vascular type and talking about the importance of the aneurysms dissections, but also talking about how much is being learned new in terms of managing these patients. Classically, patients were not operated on because of the high risk. Now we talk about treatment with careful monitoring by imaging, be it echo, CT, or MR. We talk about surgeries much more complicated because of high morbidity and mortality. Embolization can be helpful in select cases, but catheter angio is associated with major complications in almost two-thirds of patients and mortality in up to almost 20%. So doing anything on these patients, even evaluating them invasively, is a risk for the patient. So non-invasive imaging is really spectacular. Now, current consensus is that stent graft therapy should be avoided in these patients, and that's from the Annals of Thoracic Surgery consensus document a couple years ago, but most recently, Jim Black and colleagues at Hopkins actually make the point that you can do open and endovascular procedures with good outcomes, but it needs to be done very carefully and needs to be done with lots of experience and understanding of the potential problems. Uh, new management algorithms are being defined that support the strategy of performing surgical intervention in some patients before catastrophic complications develop. Uh, and we quote this, and this is Jim Black's uh, basic um, idea of where things are indeed going. When we look at our cases, here's what we saw, 41 aneurysms, 21 dissections, 2 occlusions, 2 stenosis. The distribution often involves multiple vascular segments, though it can be isolated to a single segment. Abdominal visceral arteries are most commonly involved, though iliac arteries and thoracic abdominal aorta can all be involved. When we talk about abdominal uh, involvement, again, multiple versus single vessels, short segment aneurysms, dissection, uh, can be difficult to see in axial images, but are really nicely shown in 3D. And 3D is really ideal in this application, as in many other applications. So look at this case. Look at the common iliac arteries. Look how they're dilated. They kind of trumpeted dilatation. And look how they stop at the bifurcation to the external internal iliac. It's a very, very unique appearance. I'll take away the bones. Look at it a bit better with volume rendering. It just looks unique. And I've seen several cases now that I've diagnosed Ehlers-Danlos correctly just based on that same exact appearance. Because you never see aneurysms look like that. You could center track line... But again, very, very nice example, very unique appearance of this sort of ballooning out of the aneurysm. Another case, uh, here you can look and you can see the dilatation of the common iliac vessels, which are better shown on 3D mapping. Now, this looks very much like the prior case. It's only less impressive. But what makes this case very impressive is look at the external iliac on the right side. And when you look carefully, there's a focal dissection there. So here's a nice example in almost the same vessel of 
aneurysm, as well as the sections. So again, very, very important to look carefully. Again, that satisfaction of search, keep looking. And here it is with a uh, curved planar reconstruction, very nicely showing you the extent of the patient's dissection. I mentioned about mesenteric vessels being involved. Here's a nice case in a patient with a uh, celiac and SMA aneurysm, but also with dissections in the SMA, for example, as well as in the celiac. And look at this again in 3D. Look at that dissection as well as an aneurysm. So not only close segments can have different types of pathology, but the same segment can be both dilated and have a dissection. Very, very impressive example of Ehlers-Danlos. Another case, dissection of the SMA, very nicely shown there. And when you look at it on the sagittal 3D, you see the dissection, but then more distally there's a focal dilatation. So now we have a dissection as well as aneurysmal dilatation in the same vessel, very nicely shown here as well and here again on the volume type images. You can see within organs aneurysms. Here's a patient with Ehlers-Danlos with multiple hepatic artery aneurysms. Again, what else gives that? Vasculitis. Or in this case, a runoff study with an anterior tibial artery aneurysm. Less common distally, but do occur. And whatever you're scanning, you need to be very careful looking it up. Now, in terms of surgery, I mentioned surgery typically was a no-no, but a lot of interest now. Here's a 28-year-old with bilateral iliac artery aneurysms. The patient underwent open repair of the aneurysms. And uh, here's the case I showed you before. Look at that. Almost looks like retroperitoneal fibrosis, the way the soft tissue was around there. Really ugly looking, of course. But there it is, post-repair. So again, lots of interest. Article by Ong in Lancet. Until recently, there was no effective medical treatment that can decrease the risk of vascular complications in patients with vascular Ehlers-Danlos. And they have some new medication. Patients treated with Celeprolol seems to have a threefold reduction in arterial rupture or dissection. So again, you can see as we understand these diseases better, we can come up with better treatment options. Medical options obviously would be great, but surgical options in those group of patients who need surgery at a time when you could save the patient rather than waiting until you get a complication where it's too late. So hopefully in this two-part series, I've showed you a lot about vascular diseases in the young adults. These are all genetic diseases. A lot more is being written and learned about them. Hal Dietz at Hopkins says there are many diseases around only waiting for their proper genetics to be discovered. And so with that, hopefully I've taught you something new and have a great day.